You know, we have influencers who who have held marriage conferences and let me show you my relationship and this is how you really do it. Oh, by the way, we're getting divorced. And <laughs> you have influencers who are like, I'm a health guru and you don't have to worry about the coronavirus and you know, none of you need to wear masks. Oh, by the way, I'm dead. Boy, do we have an episode today. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Alex Sharfin in the house. And I am so ecstatic to have met him, talked to him, and just learned about his story and everything he does. He is an amazing man, and you need to check out this episode right now. Hi, my name is Brandon, and I spent the last 10 years of my life in the fitness industry, in which I turned a hobby into a $100,000 a year career. But I got bored, and I wanted a new challenge. The challenge? Create a million dollar a year business. The only problem was, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Follow me as I travel halfway across the country to start my business from zero. This podcast is to show you my struggles and successes and everything in between. Join me and follow along as I document my journey of starting over. Using only today's best networking techniques, growth hacks, and sales funnels to grow my million dollar a year business. My name is Brandon Duff, and let's change lives together. This is The Money Friends. What's going on, everyone? I am super stoked to talk to the man, the legend, the myth, Alex Sharfin today. Uh, he is a man of just amazing and just great qualities because he is, I would say he's just an inspiration to me. I mean, he had, when he first, not first started out, but he had a certified uh, distressed property expert where he actually helped speed up the recovery of the housing market crash by five to seven years, I believe. Uh, entrepreneur personality type. He has this billionaire code. And what I love about him is the Momentum Podcast. I actually bought your EPT book a while back. I literally had tears coming down my face because I was like, this is exactly me. And if you guys want this free book, you can definitely check it out at freemomentumbook.com. It is quite amazing. Um, so for those that don't know you, Alex, and I don't know how they do not, uh, can you give a little backstory about wh who you are and kind of where you came from? Oh man, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try and give you like as an abbreviated story as I can. You know, I was I was always a very different kid. Um, I didn't get along socially. I was I was uh, I didn't really get along in school either with the, the kids or the educators. I, I was always. Um, you know, I think we, it's a, the polite way to call someone a loner these days is saying they are independent. So I was always very independent and uh, <laughs> I'm a loner, <laughs> right? So I was, I was that kid and, and in a lot of ways continue to be, I mean, I have a lot of friends around the world now, but you know, I, um, I was always different. And so as a kid, my father was an entrepreneur and he ran a business and, um, you know, entrepreneurship kind of like was, was, was what I knew. I, I started working when I was eight years old. Um, I used to tell that as like this badge of honor. Now I realize just how traumatizing and difficult it was to be an eight-year-old kid working. But uh, you know, when I was working with my dad, I, I felt like I found a place where I kind of fit in and maybe belonged. So I always was running a business when I was younger. So even though I was working with my dad, I was selling stuff to the kids in school. When I got into junior high school, I stepped it up a little bit, got in a ton of trouble for it. They actually um, ended up taking me to the school board and passing a rule that that they they um, they unofficially referred to as the Alex Sharfin rule where no kid was allowed to sell anything on a campus anywhere in the Irvine Unified School District. Oh, um, in college, I started a financial consultancy with a friend of mine. We did billing and collections in a way that was automated back in the 90s. Nobody else was doing that. Um, we exited or I exited that business by selling to him. He sold it to somebody in Florida. I moved to Florida and, and I was I, I like worked through an exit with them. 
Um, and I and uh, did not work out. I was supposed to work for one year in the transfer of this software. And the guy that I was working with was so over the top nuts that uh, I only made it eight months. His name was Cameron Kuhn, if anybody wants to look it up. Um, if you could Google Cameron Kuhn Orlando, he was responsible for basically buying and developing downtown Orlando and Jacksonville and then imploding both of them after oh. I worked for them. Oh, yeah. Just like we're talking nine figure implosions in real estate. It was definitely eight. I don't, I think between the two of them, it was nine figure implosions in real estate. That's insane. And yeah. He was, he was, he was a, a, just an over the top. He loved Tony Robbins and no matter what we were doing, it wasn't fast enough or good enough. And we had to do better and we had to change our state and all this stuff. And I like, it was so exhausting working for him that I quit and ended up becoming a consultant. And Brandon, you know, I've shared this story a lot and people challenge me. They're like, you were a consultant at 21. How did that happen? The, the real answer is I kind of got lucky. I had a friend who was a consultant and he was going to a meeting with Fujifilm and he's like, man, you know, you're young, but you know a lot about business. You should come to this meeting with me. You know, they're, they're, we're, I'm interviewing for New York. They're looking for New York and the Carolinas and Florida. And, you know, you live in Florida and we can at least talk to him about what's going on in Florida. And I grew up in the consumer electronics business. And so we were having this conversation about Richard, the guy that I was with, Richard Thal, was going to take over the New York territory for Fuji. And what ended up happening after the interview was he didn't get New York, but they came back and said, hey, if you want to, we want to work with Alex. So why don't we give you Florida? And so like out of a fluke meeting that was supposed to be for my experience, from one day to another, I was a consultant for Fuji Media. And I had a one-year contract that ended up lasting about eight years. And um, I first started with Fuji, then with SanDisk, which was a flash memory. And yeah. I worked with SanDisk before they had retail packaging. So the whole way through their launch, we put the first flash memory on any retail shelf. And then we worked with Fuji digital cameras and we sold the first digital cameras in the United States, the Fuji DS7. Terrible, terrible camera, but it was the first one. <laughs> and, uh, and so I did that for about 12 years and I had a lot of incredible experiences. I, um, we worked with Radio Shack and Walmart and Home Shopping Network. I personally sold over $100 million on Home Shopping Network, several hundred million, but wow. well over $100 million on Home Shopping. I had, at one point, the record for a Consumer Electronics Today special. We did $26 million in a day. So it's pretty awesome doing over a million dollars an hour throughout a 24-hour period. Um, and then when I met Katie, my wife, we got out of that. And that's when we really got into the online marketing space. You know, I... I um, uh, I got out of consumer electronics and I went into real estate and I was in real estate and I, I, here's what really happened. I retired. I retired, ended up about six weeks into my quote unquote retirement. It was so horrible and so frustrating that Katie was saying like, hey, don't you want to do something? <laughs> and I ended up buying a house and I was going to rehab the house. The extent of my rehab was going into the house one day and demoing some cabinets, but like not well. They were kind of demoed. And then I tried to paint a wall and I'm like, this is horrible. I'm never yeah. doing this. And so I hired people to do that. And within a short period of time, Katie and I um, started selling a ton of buying and selling a ton of real estate. In fact, she got a real estate license. I got my mortgage broker's license. We built through three companies. And that was kind of the first like inkling of online marketing because we worked with a company called FastHomeOffer.com and Katie and I owned the URLs Cash Home Offer and Cash House Offer and some other stuff. And just by doing some simple SEO and some other things, we got a pretty steady stream of people who wanted to get cash offers on their house. And we did a ton. We worked with, uh, I can't, I mean, it, hundreds of homeowners. We did well over, we did 
1,800 deals in it. No, wow. sorry, we did 1,500 deals in an 18 month period. I went back and looked, and there was this this crazy time frame in Florida where things were just going nuts. And we were working with probate, with foreclosure, pre -for with pre foreclosure probate. We did some auction stuff, very little though. Most of what we did was dealing directly with the homeowner. And throughout that time, from the early 2000s until about 2007, we built a huge portfolio. Um, our, and on our portfolio, we loan to value ratio, the max we were at was 70%. Most of our, our homes and properties were way below 70%. So we had a huge amount of equity on paper. Right. That beginning in 2007, started evaporating. And from the beginning of 2007, we started 2007 having well over eight figures in cash and equity, well over eight figures in cash and equity. And we ended 2007 having declared bankruptcy and being mm -hmm. completely upside down and having like no cash or equity left at all. It was that challenging. And so um, that's where we made a firm transition in the online marketing space. And we started what you mentioned earlier, the certified distressed property expert designation. As we were going through all these foreclosures, I was realizing, I mean, I, I realized that the banks were communicating in a way that most consumers were not going to understand. And the banks did not want the outcome of everybody out of their homes. What they really wanted was a, a good transition out of the homes. And I don't know if you remember this, Brandon. Um, I remember when Katie and I started to get foreclosure paperwork, one day I turned to her and said, you know what, Katie, the way this reads, people are literally going to throw their keys in the door and walk away. Oh yeah. And, and within two or three months, you started reading news reports and people not just throwing their keys in the door, people like turning on the water, flooding the entire property, throwing the keys in the door and walking away or fire damaging a property and walking away because they were so mad or putting holes in every single wall. Yeah. We actually saw that a bunch of times in Florida. And so we, we wrote this designation and the designation was sold to real estate agents to help them help their their clients negotiate short sales or loan modifications or you know get out of the property without the foreclosure and without all the trauma to themselves and to the bank and what ended up happening was in 2007 we were bankrupt we introduced the cdp in like the last few months of that year we did about a hundred thousand in business the next year we actually did a lot better we trained about 1500 agents we did about a half million dollars in business and then the next year we went to 7.2 and the year after that we went to 9.9 .9. and then we were up at 12 and 13 and 14 and and there it kind of it kind of leveled off because we were a very market driven product and um in 2013 you mentioned it so i'll kind of give the the conclusion of the story in 2013 Lori Maggiano, a director at the U.S. Treasury that I'd done a lot of work with, you know, throughout that time period, I ended up um, working with the Obama administration, with the U.S. Treasury, with FHFA, with Fannie Mae, with Freddie Mac, like in their buildings, sitting down with them and showing them what we were doing and how we could better do things. And she came and did a broadcast from our studio. So I have I have like the number one foreclosure government employee sitting in our studio and we've got like 25,000 people watching. And she out of the blue says, well, you know, we've done research that it's 2013. And based on the, the deals that CDPEs have facilitated where there wasn't a foreclosure, it has expedited the recovery of the foreclosure market by five to seven years. And she, she turned to me and said, you know, I want, I want you and your team to know you should get credit for this. And I remember thinking, one, this is awesome that it's right. on video. Like, <laughs> wow, how lucky. And then two, oh, crap, five to seven years means it's like almost done. If it's five to seven years, you know, we were in 13, that means 14, 15, like it was gonna go away. Right. Our whole business was predicated on that. And so we made the transition out of CDPE and 
really wound that business down. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. We had 99 people in that company um, at our height, 99 in person. We had about 130 altogether. And we ended up having to do like a layoff and then another layoff and then another layoff. And it was just, you know, running a company that's growing is an incredible feeling and everybody in the building, you can feel it in their energy. Running a company that's contracting is exactly the opposite of that. It was, oh, it. it was draining and, and so difficult to do. And so we finally got to the place where Katie and I were like, we're going to shut it down and just start over. And so in 2016, yeah, 2000, no, sorry, two, we're in 2020, 2017, in July of 2017, we shut down that old company and we started the one that we're running now. And really, the, the, this one was kind of born out of that one, but right. we felt like energetically and spiritually, it was time to like make a hard break and not keep trying to run the same business with the same name, the same legal stuff and everything else that we had. And so we started what we do now. And now we coach a few hundred entrepreneurs, eh, not a few hundred, we coach about 250 right now, 240 right now, entrepreneurs around the world on the process, structure and routine it takes to run a business. You know, we, we help them with marketing systems. We're not a marketing company though. You know, when you look at 99% of the companies out there that say they help entrepreneurs grow and scale, what they really do is show them how to market or sell. We actually show them the infrastructure of building a, a business and how you actually bring the people on transition responsibility, get the right people doing the right things, have a strategic plan that everybody understands and communicate in a way that your business growth becomes predictable rather than haphazard and random like most entrepreneurs have experienced. Yeah, I think that is so, I mean, I love that you're so transparent about so many things in your business. Like you talk about bankruptcy all the time in your podcast, you do all these things and you're just, you show your numbers and your huddles. Like you do all these things that most of these online entrepreneurs don't do. So uh, today I actually want to talk to you about this plague that's going around. I, I know you call it a 90, 10, uh, coach or guru. Uh, I know you have some personal experience with people, uh, ripping people's frameworks off. I know uh, we talk about, you know, swipe files and funnel hacking, but people are straight up stealing stuff from people. And today I, I kind of want to know your story. I know there's a, uh, a plague of this. So what, what are your thoughts on this plague of the whole online coaching space where people are getting taken advantage of? Yeah. You know, Brandon, um, you know, that, that 90, 10 marketer is a term that I made up or 90, 10 business owner. And, and here's what I refer to that as it's somebody that spends 90% of their time on marketing and less than 10% of their time on actually delivering and, and, you know, doing what they said they're going to do. And when you say there's a plague, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's like an epidemic of entrepreneurs who have been taught that marketing is the goal of a business that the entire thing what you do is you market like crazy and then you hope people buy stuff on the back end and you know the way katie and i the, people have always asked me how did we do what we did in real estate like if you look at our numbers we ended up training 49 or we ended up selling about forty nine thousand seven hundred units of the cdp wow. in in a few years um we were number 11, 21 on the inc 500 list in 2011 we repeated on the list for a couple years after that and when people ask me how did we do that i always shock them with the answer that delivery we delivered the best product in the market because here's here's how I look at like the online marketing space and really any space. Marketing is what you do to get people in the door. Delivery is where you build your reputation. Right. That's where you really build who you are, and it's your mate. You can make or break your your reputation in delivery. And so I think there's 
there's far too many entrepreneurs that have been taught the opposite, that you build your reputation with marketing and then you hope you can pull it together for delivery. And I, I think we need to switch that around. We need to change that. And when you look at the, the entrepreneurs who are focused on delivery, who do put time in delivery, you know, you look at somebody like Brooke Castillo, who runs the life coaching school, her delivery is impeccable. Like we bought her products just so we can experience how amazing her delivery is. She's at $30 million with a pretty sterling reputation. She caught a lot, a little bit of heat in the recently, but, but, you know, and, and some, there was some noise around her with, with what happened with like some of the racial issues, but, I, but her business grew through that and she's, she's exploded her business. And I think, you know, when you, when I look at her, it's delivery. If you want, you want the lesson behind it, she has impeccable delivery, really good marketing, impeccable delivery and a sterling reputation. And there's other people like that. You know, we have a, a member of ours, her name's Rachel Rogers. Her business recently went from about two and a half million, I think, to over five million. And she had a million dollar month. She had a straight up one million dollar plus revenue month. And how did she do that? Incredible delivery. I'm also in Rachel's program so that we can experience like what her delivery is like. And you go through it and you just feel completely coddled and taken care of. And your questions are answered and she's anticipated what you're going to need. And so, you know, when I look at building a business, that's where I focus. I'm a delivery CEO. When, you know, my friend Alex Hormozzi says, you know, CEOs are usually one or the other. They're usually really marketing heavy or really delivery and operations heavy. I'm a delivery and operations heavy CEO. That's amazing. I know my friend uh, Spencer Cornelia talks about fake gurus all the time on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and he actually brought this attention to, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can actually talk about it. Oh, uh, I can talk about uh, it. Oh, sure. excellent. So, so yeah, so recently we went through this really interesting experience. We had somebody send us um, a, a brochure for Dan Locke's Dragon 100 program. Um, and if there was ever a 90-10 marketer, it, it, like it looked like Dan Locke is absolutely, maybe the 99-1 marketer. Um, you know, he's, he, he seems to have just kind of fabricated his entire background. And, and here's, the, here's a real challenge for people online. You know, I have a lot of empathy for people who are out looking for help because here's the issue with the online marketing space today. You can go create a tremendous amount of influence without ever really having done anything. And since March, I think we've seen this procession of influencers kind of walking off of a cliff, you know, and, and I mean that like in the, in the nicest way possible, but Jesus, they're walking off of a cliff. You know, we have influencers who, who have held marriage conferences and let me show you my relationship and this is how you really do it. Oh, by the way, we're getting divorced. And you have influencers who are like, I'm a health guru and you don't have to worry about the coronavirus and you know, none of you need to wear masks. Oh, by the way, I'm dead. Like those are things that have actually happened since yeah. March. And when you look at the online marketing space, one of the challenges is, is that the way people appear credible is how many subscribers, how many likes, how many you know followers, how many online, well, all of those things are metrics that can be absolutely manipulated. Oh yeah. And in some cases, just straight up purchased. Like when I look at, at you know, and, and I'm, I, I'm not gonna draw a legal conclusion that Dan Locke is faking his follower accounts or anything like that. But when I look at some of his top line numbers and his engagement numbers, they don't really make sense in some cases. And I think there's a lot of influencers out there where there's a lot of big numbers and not a lot of engagement and it starts feeling like, you know, there's, there's a created personality there. I mean, I think <clears throat> the best example is Dan Bilzerian, who I remember a few yeah. years ago, few years ago, a friend of mine, and I'm not going to tell you who the friend is because he was a big fan of Dan Bilzerian. This guy's like on his homepage. 
he told me about this influencer who had taken a company public. And I'm like, I don't understand. I've worked with dozens of public companies. How is an influencer going to go public? Right. Well, he can use his influencer to do influence to do all this other stuff. I'm like, you know what? I, I've, I've, I've consulted with hundreds of companies. Most of them could not take influence and turn it into profitability. I don't understand. And now I, you know, the latest allegations are that Bilzerian's like fled the country right. and hasn't paid his tax bills and has left like, and hasn't really filed his quarterly reports for his public company. And right. so, you know, I think, I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing an implosion of this influence based business where the influence really comes just from nothing else but the ability to build the online influence. You know, there's, there's not really a history there. And so what specifically happened with Dan was, he took, we have this, this content called the billionaire code. If you go to, to billionairecode.com, we have a framework. It's nine levels of what an entrepreneur goes through to go from zero to a hundred million dollars to give you some insight on that framework. It's literally what every one of my coaches has pulled up on their screen when they're coaching, we coach to the framework. We actually sell to the framework. When we're on a sales call, we ask where you are. We identify what level of the billionaire code. Then we know what you're probably anticipating and what you're going to need. And then also our programs are actually delivered in levels of the billionaire code. And so it is about as, as, as foundational to our company as anything could be. And this woman sent me Dan Locke's flyer where he had literally taken the billionaire code, changed a few of the words on it, but knocked off not just the framework, but the framework, the artwork my, my designer had done yeah. everything. It was basically a, a near 100% identical copy with some minor tweaks on artwork and some wording, but there was no way to, for anyone to say like, you put these side by side, this isn't a copy. In fact, I put it online and everybody just went crazy about what a copy it was. And here's how funny this world is. I went out and, and called Dan Locke out and he had his attorney contact me and threatened to sue me. By the way, I'm still waiting for any type of paperwork on a lawsuit, good luck with that. No. But there's nothing, you know, there's absolutely nothing he's gonna be able to do. But we, you know, when you, when you look at it, here's, here's where I really feel the challenge is. Is it frustrating for us to have our stuff stolen and used in that way? Yes, but here's what's even more frustrating is that, that here's what I know about us, about us as entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurial personality type, I actually have this term called the entrepreneur's dilemma. The dilemma is we know we need more help than the average person to get to where we really want to go. Would you agree with that, Brandon? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and but we also know that anytime we have to request help, it leaves us feeling vulnerable and exposed. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. All the time. So here's where I get really frustrated is I know like one of the hardest things on this planet to have happen is an entrepreneur to say, I need help raising our hand and saying, I need help for so many different reasons, for some of them childhood reasons, for some of them reasons in the present, for some of them the way we look at ourselves, our self-impression, our ego, all of those things make it so hard to get help. And when somebody finally raises their hand, it pains me that they run into someone who, who most likely, and again, I have to, I have to like not draw legal conclusions here, but it most likely, it looks like based on the evidence in the public has basically fabricated their entire background. Um, to a point of almost ridiculousness, <laughs> like, you know, a little over the top craziness. And, and that bothers me because I want people to actually get help and move forward and be able to, to change their lives. Yeah. And I, I love that you actually put so much credibility and so much trust in out with your podcast, the momentum podcast. If you guys haven't subscribed to his podcast, it is phenomenal. And I believe like the first like 10 episodes are all about the EPT model and you definitely yeah. need to read that. I love it. It was, it was, Every time I listen to it, I, I like kind of cry almost because it's just, it's so like, it's like you're talking to me, Alex. Like I, I feel it in my heart. 
And so it's it's so crazy that these people are able to really just take advantage of people. And I know that you put out your podcast so that people can understand your models, can understand your frameworks before they even jump into uh, anything that you uh, recommend. I mean, just before this, we were talking off air and I was talking about how I'm jumping into your foundation program, but I didn't know if I wanted to go to the accelerator program or the catalyst program. And you were like, start with the foundation program because um, you want me to be as successful as I can be. And it, don't jump and skip steps. Yeah, It's all about making sure you have the framework first and you have a proven model. I mean, look at where you've started and just jumping from uh, entrepreneur or sorry, real estate into online marketing and creating a really a way for businesses to scale. So how do actually, how do you find a, a good coach that is going to take you on that journey so that you aren't taken advantage of. I know that you talked with Julie not too long ago yeah. and had a, a post about how to find a good coach, but what are some of your thoughts on that? You know, Brandon, um, here's, here's how I, I look at it. You know, in, in today's online marketing world, there's a number of tactics that to me call out somebody that you probably don't want to be doing business with. Right. Um, if there's a false sense of scarcity, if you feel like you're being pressured into a decision, then you're probably in the wrong place. It, I mean, it's it's highly, highly likely you're in the wrong place. If you feel, if, if they put something on the table that it's like, if you don't do this, you don't get this, then I, I would say nine out of 10 times, that is a relationship that you're probably going to be apprehensive that you got into, and you're probably going to be upset in the future that you're in it. You know, the way, here's how we look at it. We talk to people all the time. And we have we we don't have salespeople. Our coaches actually talk to people who come in to, to talk to us. And we often have people tell us, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping up this other program. I have a month left and I, I don't want to be in two programs at once. I probably wouldn't use yours. Can I call you in 30 days? And of course, we set up a call for them in 30 days. We have people that call us and say, I'm about to leave and go on a six week vacation. We don't really have that anymore. But we did before COVID. And we would say like, Let's let's get you registered now to start in six weeks or call us in six weeks and we'll get you registered. There's you, you know, we actually call it a negative pressure sales system where you never feel pressure from our side, because here's how we look at it. We're building a lifetime relationship with you. We want you to get into our foundation program and understand how to build a strategic plan and put together the right systems in your business, then graduate to our catalyst program where we show you how to build that core team around you and start building out a leadership team, then graduate to our accelerator program where you build out leadership team and departments. And then eventually, if, if you're qualified and if you're with us, and have the right numbers, you get into our private grow and scale program, which you, we don't sell into, you can't join, you have to be invited into it, and grow and scale, you know, we have we have members in there that have gone from 4 million to 12 million in the past couple of years, we had one that went from six to 22. You know, we we that's the program where, where we really have like the high level tactics and strategies. And so for us, you know, I look at everybody who joins our 297 a month foundation program as potential grow and scale someday. And so we're, we're we put as much as we can into the entry level people as we do into the, the highest level. And, you know, here's here's some of the stuff that Julie said. Julie said, the, here's how you know who's legit and who isn't. And Julie Stoin is is a, a friend of mine. I also think she's one of the most legit marketers online, period. Yeah. Yeah. She runs a group called The Marketer's Heart, and it's a great group to go and like see there's another side to marketing where you can tell the truth, mm -hmm. not use crazy tactics, 
actually really help people and change their lives and build a crazy, successful, profitable business that pays you as much as you want it to pay you because you're doing all the right things and the universe lifts you up and you get right. the positive energy lifting you up. And so this is some of Julie's advice. If you're going to find somebody, um, find someone, customers who've stayed with that person for years, not months. Um, I just talked to a friend of mine where I'm like, I think this qualifies. So uh, Emmett, Scott, and I have started working together in 2013 on the current content we teach, and he's still a client of mine. I was just at one of his, his uh, quarterly meetings. Um, customers who've had success and will happily and freely say yes, so-and-so was a great mentor, not just a testimonial, but if you reach out to them, they will reinforce it. Influencers who stay the course of time, who aren't flashes in the pan, who show their human side, their messy side, not the fake messy side, but like right. actually what's going on. Um, when and if you can, meet somebody in real life. Note if the real life version is the same as the online version. Trust those who talk just as much about profit and savings as they do revenue and sales. Trust those who aren't afraid to share their harder side of their business or admit mistakes or be honest with their numbers. Um, watch how they act around their students and clients. Watch how they act and treat those who aren't VIP clients. And then notice how much time they spend with their customers versus the internet marketing circles and networking circles and those types of events. And then I love the end here. I think this is so important. What's not important, like she said way less important, I'm telling you, it is zero importance. Clothing, lifestyle, the highs of the, size of their house, the perfect power couple marriage, perfect kids, endless vacations, fancy cars, perfect branding and photos, all that stuff can literally be bought for a few thousand dollars. And, and it is, you know, I mean, we, we recently found out Dan, who took our content, looked like he had this really successful business with this massive $20 million or $30 million, depending on what video you see of his right. um, apartment that he's now being sued for the back rent on. And so, right. you know, we have all these people running around that look like they're wildly successful and it's just a bunch of hot air. It's, it's literally a manufactured impression of who a human being is. And so I loved what Larry, what, what Larry, what um, Julie shared here. And the closing, she said, real life and business is messy and imperfect. It's up and down. It's profitable and expensive. And it's filled with wins and losses. Find someone who's real. Yeah, it's, that's huge. That's very powerful. And just to kind of go off of uh, that note about Dan Locke is, uh, yeah, he was renting his house and he always showed, I mean, he was having people walk through that was like a realtor and showing like, this is my my house. This is the, the kind of the image that I'm showing off. And he never corrected the person to tell them like he rents this place, that he's actually sharing it with uh, his business partner, like all these things that are just made up. And it's it's so insane. And you see these like, these almost these numbers, these not profit statements, but just income statements online, and they're all manufactured. They're, I see these people just change the numbers. I mean, like copyright Kevin had this huge thing where he was uh, pretty much showed to fudge his numbers, and it's just it's insane. So that's why I love like what you do is your truth. Uh, everything you do is just you show open and transparent of exactly what you do. What are some um, what are some ways you can find a a good coach? Like maybe it's not in the online space, but maybe it's like what are your actual tactics? Because I know you have a few mentors yourself. So like, how did you find those mentors? You know, the, here's here's the advice I would give Brandon. And and yes, I have coaches. I think anybody who is a coach who is not paying for coaching is suspect. Um, they, they either their ego is way too big that they're not willing to get help or they don't believe in their own product. And both of those are a major red flag. You should be scared of a coach who doesn't get coaching. Um, 
they should make you very nervous because right. that means they probably have a lot to hide and they don't really want to coach in their business. And so for me, here's the first step to getting coaching. I, and, and I think it's the most crucial first step is to understand what you actually need. I think that one of the problems that, that is, has emerged in the, today's marketplace or landscape is that people attach to an influencer and then follow what that influencer tells them to do, whether it is what they need or not. And so for me, it's, you know, determine where you are in your business and what is the next thing you need or where you are personally and what's the next thing you need. A great way to determine where you are in your business is to go download the billionaire code. It is the clearest matrix, so clear that it gets ripped off regularly <laughs> and it's not the only one. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's our most stolen piece of content and most reappropriated piece of content because in about three minutes, you can look at the chart and determine like, oh, okay. So I'm at a million dollars and I haven't leveraged sales and I really don't have a good lead generation system. I need to focus on those things so I can get to the next step of building out a team or, or completing my team or building a leadership team. The, the billionaire code tells you exactly what you need. And so first things first, before you go find a coach, stop looking at personalities and look at what you actually need. What is the application you need for your life or your business? And then what I do is I go out and I find someone who has way more experience with that than I do, a high level of special specialization. And I, you know, I mean, Julie's list is as good as any I've seen. And then I move slowly. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who like find a coach and then transfer $30,000 because they feel like that's the thing that they need to do immediately. You know, I have discovery calls. I actually ask really hard questions. I push back on programs. I ask for exceptions. I see like how serious are they about what they do? And once I have all of that, then I know that I've found the right coach. And, you know, people ask me all the time, like, who would you consider your coaches or advisors? Well, right now, if you look across the spectrum of what I do, so Emily Hirsch is our ad agency, but I also kind of consider her a marketing coach or marketing consultant. <clears throat> I work with Shane Saunders, who's a breathing coach. Um, you know, I, my, my personal presence and awareness is very important to me. So I do a lot of breath work. I actually went and sought help on that. Uh, today we get coaching from P Pam Pryor. She's a um, outsourced CFO, but she's like our financial coach. She comes in, she communicates with our outsourced accounting company. And so we have an accounting company and she's the intermediary for us so that we actually have coaching there and we have backup there. And there's a number of other coaches and consultants that I work with kind of across the board. And so I think anyone who's in coaching should be getting a lot of coaching because once you recognize what is coaching really, it's taking someone's else, someone else's experience and getting a massive shortcut in your life. So for me, if I'm not getting coached in three or four areas of my life, I don't feel like things are going fast enough. Well, I love that too. And I think a lot of people just, you actually take them and kind of get that discovery call and make sure they're right fit for your business and you can help them versus a lot of these coaches, it seems like they're almost template coaches where they say, this is my, my swipe file, this is what I post and copy this, but not everyone's audience is the same. Not everyone has the same kind of um, avatar. So that's why you see so much failure in these online coaching spaces. So like, how do you actually overcome that is, I mean, you have to have systems, right? Like that's why, I mean, that's why I'm jumping into your program after we buy our house, uh, this foundation, because I believe in coaching. And just like you said, coaching should have other coaches to shortcut your your process. So what is like, what is the number one thing that you would do in like your coaching business to help others succeed and get over that 90-10 rule? Huh. So I, I think if you're asking like for us, what is the what's the highest level thing that we do? Yeah. 
we put a inordinate amount of focus on delivery and customer feedback systems and, and the that. feedback loops that we have, you That's know, huge. so we, we constantly, so here's, here's how we look at what we do. Most companies, I think they create a body of content, they put it into some type of a delivery system, and then they just park it there forever and then go focus 90% of their time on their marketing. And you know what, there might be some people who have decent stuff on the back end where they can be 90, 10 marketers and then you still get a result. It doesn't work for us because here's, here's what we do. We help entrepreneurs with the actual process, structure, and routine at each stage of business that it takes to create a strategic plan, communicate it to your organization, which by the way, that communication changes when you're four people to when you're right. 10 people to when you have a leadership team to when you have departments, there is an entirely different communication structure we teach. And so for us, we are constantly refining our content. We are getting feedback from our members constantly. Quarterly, we do some major revisions to our content. And so we are always, always focused on delivery. I think if you looked at the ratio of, of time and effort and man hours on our team focused on delivery versus marketing, it's probably three to one on delivery. And wow. here's why. Katie and I have been doing this for a long time. One of the reasons we ran one of the biggest home acquisition services in South Florida wasn't really that our marketing was so great. It was that we did so well in, in buying people's distressed properties. You know, it's a very tenuous time. You get taken right. advantage of, people lie to you. We would come in and transparently say, here's what your property's worth. Here's what we're willing to pay. Here's why we're going to buy it for this much. We're going to put this much into it. This is what we're going to make. So we're going to make about 10% on the value of the property, maybe 15. And we're going to take this risk. And, and if you don't think that this is a good deal, my wife would be happy to list your property and sell it for you if you have some time. And most of the time people would say, okay, we'll take the deal. And it was because we were upfront and honest in every single meeting we ever had. And so I think for, for, for anyone who's either trying to get coaching or trying to build out a coaching company, focus on the delivery. And if you're trying to get coaching, look at how much do they really deliver? How much effort is put into the, to the delivery versus the image and right. the cars and the rented house and the whole you know fake facade of who they are? Yeah, I think that's huge. I know that uh, that I'm a big believer in not caring what people think. I, I mean, I wear the same shit all the time. I uh, I mean, I know you're a big believer in not looking um, glamorous in a sense. I mean, I drive the same, I know you have a, a quite a few cars that you're very proud of because you like to go fast, but it, it's not about image. It's about helping and supporting your team, your tribe, whatever that is. So uh, Alex, I, this has been amazing. And I, you know, everything that you do, I, you're always an inspiration to me. Uh, I've always come to you advice about uh, what I should take to level up my cognitive uh, functions, what I should be doing. I mean, I bought your EPT, I bought uh, your upsell, all this, all these different things that I'm just a, a big fan. But uh, any last words you want to leave with us? Um, I know that you have a, a marketing quote that you like to uh, go by. So uh, if you want to share that with our, your oh, wait, uh, marketing quote, uh, uh, it's about you're not alone. There's nothing oh, wrong oh, with you. Nothing wrong with you and you yeah. are not alone. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's anything else I'd like to share. Well, first, Brandon, I, I'd like to thank you for the validation, man. You know, um, coming from being a kid that that kind of felt like isolated and alone and a party of one. And as an adult, having written this book that, you know, when I think about the EPT book, I wrote it was selfish. I wrote it for myself. You know, I, I wrote it as validation for myself. I right. wrote it as as an argument for why I exist. I wrote it as an argument for why why I've made the mistakes that I've made and and really as an argument for every incredible entrepreneur in history that I feel like 
did what they did for a reason and did what they did for momentum and did what they did for us. And so whenever someone says that, you know, the book gave them an emotional reaction or felt like they were talking directly to them, here's what I know. You and I are a lot alike. And that is incredibly validating for me because I never thought I would say that to anybody. So thank you. I appreciate that. And, and for anybody who's listening, you know, the, the phrase that Brandon was referring to is there is nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. And here's why I say that it doesn't matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter what diagnosis or disease or disorder or issue or a challenge or, or life challenge you're facing or any of those things. One of us, someone just like us, someone just like me, like Brandon, like you, has been there, has gone through it, has overcome it and gone on to change the world. And the reason I say there's nothing wrong with you and you're not alone is because if we can do it, if they can do it, then you can do it. And if you're here listening to us, here's my hallucination about you is that you are just like us. You're one of those people that gets up in the morning, travels into the future, creates a new reality, comes back to the present and demands it becomes real. And if that's, that's you, then I want you to know something. If you think you can, if you're thinking about doing it, if you're moving in this direction, if you've, you felt like you could, then I want you to know that's how all of us have felt. And that means you are one of us. And it doesn't matter what you've been through, you can overcome it and go on to make your mark in the world and make a difference and create momentum for the people around you. And so don't ever forget that because if you think back through history to anyone who matters to be remembered, to anyone you remembered, remember they were just like us. Like, Einstein couldn't tie his shoes until he was four or sorry. Yeah, no, he couldn't tie his shoes in his entire life. He didn't right. speak until he was four and he spoke in paragraphs. You know, Socrates, one of the greatest philosophers in history would not admit he was wrong. So he walked into a field and drank poison. You know, uh, it's, it's throughout history, people just like us, the people who don't, don't act the same way, talk the same way, look the same way or show up the same way. These days we say, Hey, give that person medication, fix them. They are a damaged human being. But throughout history, the person who didn't show up the same way, talk the same way, look the same way, walk the same way is exactly the person who went on to change the world. So if you're one of us, we need it, The world needs changing now more than it ever has. And we're ready for you. Love it. Alex, you are a legend. Uh, thank you so much for having. And if you guys haven't checked out the Momentum podcast, definitely like and subscribe. Uh, Five-star review always for me because the, the content there, I mean, there's like through 600 episodes that you can go through that are just going to change your life. So definitely check that out. Again, Alex, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, I, I salute you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate it, brother. Hi, right, man. Talk to you soon. Peace. Hey everyone, if you love this episode, go ahead and rate and subscribe to it. I really appreciate the feedback. And if you don't, go ahead and unsubscribe. I'm just kidding, don't unsubscribe. Go ahead and send me an email and tell me how I can improve. Thanks so much, have a good one guys, peace.